Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep in the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! This team's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Anguilano, and joining me, as always, is Aaron Johnson. Aaron Johnson, how are you doing, Aaron Johnson? (laughs) I'm hanging in there, Mike. Pistons have been active, so excited to to get into all the, the stuff going on with them. Yes, um, they have been active. And we were talking about Troy Weaver being anxious about making a trade. Well, uh, lo and behold, he did make a trade. The Pistons acquired Hamadou Diallo uh, from the Oklahoma City Thunder for Svi Mikhailuk, and I believe a second-round pick. Aaron, do you know where that second-round pick was, was at? It was a 2027 second-round pick that was originally owned by Houston. So that was the super far off second round pick from yeah, this I think past the prospects season. in like ninth grade or something that they're going to end up taking. Fantastic. Well, he's hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he's uh, doing well in, uh, you know, algebra one. Um, so a second round pick from 2027 and speed Mikhail Luke for Hamadou Diallo uh, Diallo, 22 year old, six, five shooting guard, small forward type. He was averaging 11.9 points per game, four rebounds, and 2.4 assists for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So initial reaction is that, I mean, personally, I don't know why the Thunder did this. Um, I know why the Pistons did it, because it's a very low-risk, high-reward type of move to move on from Stephen Mikhailuk, who really wasn't the player that I think some of us were thinking he would be. Um, I know I had him penciled in as a – a player to watch heading into the season because I thought his outside shooting would develop into something else. Um, it didn't, so the Pistons moved on. So, uh, Aaron, what it, what do you make of Detroit acquiring Hamadou Diallo? I like the trade. I, I think it's a, an upside trade. Um, Diallo's a fine player. I don't – I'll say I'm not as high on him as others seem to be. Um, I think he's a good player. Obviously, he's very athletic as a slasher towards the rim uh, presents some secondary uh, distributing abilities here and there uses, uses his athleticism and strength to be a, you know, decent defender. He's not an all NBA level defender by any stretch of the imagination, but I also don't think he's a negative defender either. He's a struggling three point shooter shooting a career best 29.3% from the three point line this season. So that is certainly not his strength whatsoever, which is also something that is going to really uh, hold him back, I think, long term. But he's just 22 years old. There is still time for him to develop that outside shot. But he brings enough other things to the table to where he is an intriguing upside swing by Troy Weaver, who was in Oklahoma City, obviously, when Diallo was brought to Oklahoma City. Uh, so, I like it. Uh, I, I don't think they gave up anything of, of too much value. You and I have both talked about how we really did not see a future for Svima Hailuk in Detroit. 
I know there were people that thought he could replace Luke Kennard and be the, the, a cheaper version of Luke Kennard. I never bought into that. I, the talent was just not there. Uh, and, uh, you know, the 2027 second round pick, again, the, the kid maybe isn't, has hit puberty yet. We don't really know. Um, so <laughs> Troy has plenty of time to go in and, and, and get another 2027 second round pick. Uh, before it's too late. <laughs> so I like this trade. Detroit didn't give up anything that, that really matters uh, in my opinion. So I think it's a fine play. We'll see how it works out. It's another prospect for Dwayne Casey to try to work with. And so far uh, Casey has done a nice job in Detroit of doing that. And the guys that Weaver has brought in have done a nice job of developing and blossoming here as well. So overall, I think it's a positive and solid move by the Pistons. That's a huge indictment of Luke Kennard if you think that Sfi Luke is the guy who can sort of replace that. I don't know if you meant replace him in minutes or replace him in the core moving forward. I mean, anyway, I like I like the move. It's another low-risk, high-reward type of move. You know, they, they got rid of Derrick Rose, got Dennis Smith Jr., low-risk, high-reward, or medium type of reward. You know, he's a young guy who is somewhat athletic and – was pretty good in college and was drafted high. Same thing with Josh Jackson, low risk, high reward. Now it looks like you've got a nice foundational um, rotational piece. And not that Diallo will turn into that, but he is super athletic. He is a second round pick. So, you know, falls right into uh, Troy Weaver's wheelhouse of finding, finding quality players all over the place. Um, he fits a need, you know, we talked about shooting guard in the past, uh, as, as a, as a sore spot on this team, if the Pistons are going to be drafting high, they, they will likely be looking at, you know, a shooting guard or wing type of player. So I think it checks all of the boxes in the interim. And once again, you get to look at another young player and evaluate how they fit. You know, we kind of knew Svima Kyluk wasn't going to, wasn't going to fit. He just had that feeling throughout the whole season so far. Right. I mean, he just, he, it just didn't really look like he was on the court that you were thinking, okay, we're definitely, that is definitely a piece to keep and build with. No, not, not at all. I mean, speed did some, some decent things and, and in some areas he did show uh, some growth, but he's now in his third season in the league and shooting 33% from the three point line, a guy that is supposed to be a marksman from beyond the arc. He had made some strides as a passer, a little bit as a finisher. There was still a lot of work that needed to be done there. Um, just overall wasn't being very productive on either side of the ball. He was always going to be challenged defensively due to his lack of height and wingspan. Um, but it, it's just not a guy that was really going to play a factor for Detroit down the line. So, again, an upside move by Weaver takes a stab at a guy like Diallo, who I would still consider rather raw. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. he's, he's an NBA player, but I still think his offensive game is, is raw. I think the shooting alone can speak to that. Uh, I, I like the move. I think this is a guy that, you know, Detroit said, oh, this is a guy that we think could be part of our future moving forward. I don't know if if that will end up being the case, but this is not a, a this is a player that I would be willing to take the chance on seeing, especially right now when, you know, Detroit can give minutes to a guy like Diallo at the shooting guard and small forward spot and just see how he plays. I mean, you're right. There's like no, there's really no risk. Like you said, giving up a ninth grader in Sfi. And just to, 
just to pull up some reasons why maybe he was moved on from. He said it is his um, fourth season. No, it's his, it's his third season. He spent half the year with the Lakers his first year. He shot 40% from three last year, 39% on non-corner threes, 41% um, on corner threes. He's shooting 32% from three, 32% from non-corner threes, and 30% from corner threes per cleaning the glass. Uh, the shooting just didn't really stick around. He was in the 69th percentile last year in e, uh, in uh, effective field goal percentage. He's 20. He's in the 24th percentile at 48.6%. That's not great. Um, so the shooting just didn't really stick around. I mean, his E field goal percentage is right around, uh, well, it's actually right around uh, Josh Jackson's um, and Troy Brown and Justin Jackson and Wesley Matthews. So he's not shooting the ball particularly well. And that was kind of what he was last year was just this, um, just a solid three-point shooter that every playoff team basically needs to have on their roster in some capacity. The game just didn't really evolve enough and the shooting didn't stick around. So he didn't get better in some areas and he got worse in the area that uh, they needed him to continue to be good at. So, um, but with Diallo, like you said, the offensive game is pretty raw. He is not a polished uh, shooter, not a good three point shooter. He's shooting 48% from the floor for the year, which is, better than his career average. Uh, he is just taking around one three-pointer a game. Um, does have 2.4 assists this year. So um, as Killian Hayes gets back into form and as DeLon Wright gets healthy, you know, you do get a guy who at least this year can distribute the basketball. But 11.9 points, five boards. Um, it's not bad. And then to tack on 2.4 assists, it's not bad in a steal a game. I mean, I mean, overall, that seems like a, that seems like a guy who was, who was improving and he got some good run with the Thunder this year. Um, and Troy Weaver is not done. I would imagine he's going to keep on moving some stuff around. And speaking about moving some stuff around, uh, NBA trade rumors this year are a dime a dozen. And this is going to be my I do this every year on on my Twitter account, but now that we have the podcast back, please, 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 please uh, make sure that you all uh, check where you're getting a trade rumor from and make sure that little check mark on Twitter is actually in the person's account so you, we don't end up with the Miami Heat are about to acquire Carl Anthony Towns type of news <laughs> coming, out of, coming out of nowhere. <laughs> it's going to run rampant and rumors are all the rage. And I don't know if there's another sport that has quite the gravitas of trade rumors coming from nowhere and everybody jumping on them like a bandwagon. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's a problem. And I think you're right when you say there's no, there's no other league that has the type of, of issue with this. I mean, it happens no doubt, but it just seems like the NBA is where the, the fake, Twitter accounts are, are the floodgates are open for them. You know, you see every single day uh, these troll accounts posting fake trades, fake quotes, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So no doubt it is a major problem. So you're absolutely right. Make sure you're checking who is tweeting that check their profile, you know, make sure they are truly a reliable source. 
And one of those absolutely reliable sources is Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, who in an article today said about Aaron Gordon that the seven-year vet is open to a change of scenery. No surprise there. Orlando has been kind of the poster child for meh for so many years. Um, Gordon would be open to a change of scenery with the Denver Nuggets, Houston Rockets, and Detroit Pistons. Those are all three. Three, all three of those teams have inquired about acquiring Aaron Gordon with the dark horse team being the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, the Magic have a pretty, pretty substantial price tag for Aaron Gordon, and they should. Um, it's hard to believe he's been in the league for seven years. That seems, seems really, really bizarre. Um, so I will give you the floor. Aaron, what do you think about the Pistons acquiring Aaron Gordon? I'll tell you what, this is something that really, really confuses me. Not that Aaron Gordon is a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. He has actually progressed, I think, pretty nicely as his career has gone on. Uh, you know, you look at him this year, the numbers aren't necessarily there. He's also battled a fair amount of injuries this year averaging 13.6 points, seven rebounds. He's up to four assists per game. So definitely some growth there. And he's shooting over 36%. He's at 36.5% from the three-point line. So that's a career best mark. Uh, but he is a he's a nice all-around player. He does things, you know, on both sides of the ball. He, he can really help you. He's very, very athletic. But when I look at this Pistons roster and I see Jeremy Grant at the four and I see – Sekou Dumboya maybe at the four, maybe halfway off the team at this point. And then I see a guy like Sadiq Bey who can play minutes at the power forward spot. I just don't really see where Aaron Gordon fits in. Unless you're sliding Jeremy Grant back down to the small forward spot, which means you're moving Sadiq Bey to the bench and it gets a little bit harder to get find minutes for the newly brought in Hamadou Diallo. I don't really see where a guy like Aaron Gordon fits in. He, it just kind of not that they're the same player, but they kind of already have that kind of a guy, you know, on the team in Jeremy Grant. And I like Aaron Gordon a lot, but I don't think that he makes a whole lot of sense for, for the Pistons and where they're at right now. Yeah, I, I agree, especially with Jeremy Grant playing as well as he is. You just unloaded this log jam um, with Blake Griffin at the four. And now you want to bring back that log jam by acquiring Aaron Gordon. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. I think there's, um, there are other players the Pistons could look at that aren't Aaron Gordon that would still fill needs. It seems like that's, this is not a significant need for the Pistons right now. And, you know, the first thing I thought of when I heard about Aaron Gordon as a target is, Sekou Dumboya. That that's that appears to be concerning. Uh, if they're looking at acquiring a player that is basically has the same mold as him in Aaron Gordon, and am I like totally off? Do you think that that's something that kind of stands out? Like, oh, why are they acquiring a player that would directly? take over the minutes that Sekou Dubois would ideally have. I, you know, I, every single game that passes, it just looks more and more like Sekou Dubois is on his way out. I don't know how you feel about it, but you hear the quotes was, you know, 
I told Seiko he's got a clean slate with me here. And, and then that, that comes right before the, the, the start of the second half of the season. I think Seiko's played a combined 10 minutes since that quote throughout the first two games uh, of the second half of the year. So I really don't know where Dumboya stands. He's the last piston left on the team uh, from, you know, the Ed Stefanski general manager era. Uh, it really, really seems like Troy Weaver just wants to really wipe the slate and do his thing. I, to me, it looks like Seku is going to go eventually. I, I just doesn't look like he he's in the long term plans here. And I think bringing in a guy like Aaron Gordon is just another exclamation mark kind of deal where you're saying, "Look, Seku, you are not part of the future plans, or not at least not in." Uh, a, a prominent role uh, because they're, they're if they had another forward in Aaron Gordon and they already have Grant and, and Sadiq Bay and Josh Jackson, there's just not an opportunity there for a guy like Sekou. Those minutes are all going to be taken up. The shots are all going to be taken up. It, it's it's something to monitor, no doubt. I really I, I wouldn't not to go away from Aaron Gordon talk here, but I would not be surprised if Sekou gets moved by March 25th. So he had two minutes played against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Two minutes. Now I'm not saying that they should be given all the minutes to this guy. Now that Blake is gone, he had five minutes against Charlotte in the game prior. And then against the Knicks, um, he had 15 minutes. He did have 10 points on four, seven shooting against the New York Knicks, but Five minutes and two minutes in the last two games. I know that's a small sample, and it it is it is a little bit on the concerning side for that little of minute distribution. And this quickly turned from an Aaron Gordon talk to a Seiko Dumboya Earth is falling apart talk. But I I think the two are, are really honestly correlated. And Aaron Gordon is only twenty five years old. He's he's a seven year vet, but he's twenty five. Um. He is shooting the ball pretty well uh, from from deep, that is. I don't know what sort of value Orlando wants in return. I think a guy like Sekou would at least be enticing to them. Um, I do like Steve Clifford. I think that that would, that would be uh, a, a, good, a good fit. He would get the minutes there. He would get a clean slate on a different team, another pretty young team. So... I mean, I mean, if if you let's just say the Pistons are putting together a trade, and they're and they come to you at the conference table, what sort of trade would you put together for Aaron Gordon? I guess this is kind of an assessment of his value. Like, what do you think he's worth? If I'm the Pistons and I have to yeah. come up with a trade, yep, it's your turn. The mic is in your hand. Well, see, funny enough, a guy like Seku's probably involved in that trade, right? What did you think? I, I, I think he would have to be. Yeah. I mean, if you're trading for Aaron Gordon, you're essentially confirming that there just really isn't going to be a chance for Seku because you're going to have Jeremy Grant and Aaron Gordon that both are going to play a lot of minutes at the four spot. Yep. And there's your, you know, there's your re- you know, prospect piece for the Magic. So yep. you have Aaron Gordon going to the Pistons. You have Seku and Boya going to the to the magic and then probably Detroit has to match salaries right Gordon had about 18 million per yep so I mean do they throw in a guy like 
Delon Wright, maybe. They don't need maybe. Mason Plumley because they have Nikola Vucevic and Markel Fultz is on the mend. So they probably could use a, a combo guard on that team. I, outside of that, what does Detroit have to throw in? I mean, they probably have to throw in some sort of other asset here. I don't think Seku is nabbing you a guy like Aaron Gordon. Oh, no, not at, not at his current value. I guess I guess this little exercise was more along the lines of trying to get you to not really give too much for Aaron Gordon because the Pistons don't really have any need to give up any attributable assets because they don't really need Aaron Gordon. No, absolutely That's kind not. of what I was getting at, is but, that they really don't need him. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it probably doesn't make sense to go through and build a trade because let's face it, it's probably not going to happen, but you know, it, it's not like the Pistons are giving up any of their rookies from this year. They're not oh, touching no. Killian Hayes or Sadiq Bay or Isaiah Stewart or Saban Lee. And and do you want to give up first round picks? Probably not. So, so. It, it just doesn't make sense for on that side of the ball game as well you know it doesn't make sense from a roster standpoint and it doesn't make sense from an asset standpoint as Orlando supposedly has a pretty high price tag on Gordon so it, it just really doesn't make make sense in either sense to to for the a deal to come together I mean one would think that the other teams I mean Houston though Houston is uh, that's just going from one burning pile of trash to a slightly hotter burning pile of trash from Orlando to Houston. I mean, I, 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 I would guess say, it's pretty fun. I would say Christian Wood and Aaron Gordon on the court together would be pretty fun. That fits well. And John Wall and Victor Oladipo and Kevin Porter Jr., I guess, all of a sudden you have something that's kind of fun. I think so. I, think so. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for, for – Kevin Porter Jr. trying to revive his career there. I like John Wall, and I don't know if Victor Oladipo's long-term in Houston. Oh, I think but... he would be traded for Aaron Gordon. Oh, you think he's go- you think so? Wouldn't wouldn't think... that be interesting? He goes back to where he's yeah, you know, but... to where to where he started. He isn't. I'm trying to think. You know, Oladipo seems to be pretty hell bent on going somewhere he wants to go. I, I know Miami. That's Florida. That's that's, that's along pretty a lot. close. Yeah, it's it's almost it's almost <laughs> Miami. It's almost Miami. Right. Um, it's, it's pretty close. I don't know if Miami wants him. Yeah. I mean, look, I would love to go to Miami too, but I don't I mean, I don't know if Miami wants to do that. He's not exactly putting out a product that makes me think, ooh, missing piece to uh Eastern Ola Depot would be a nice fit in Orlando. Once they get Jonathan Isaac back, I think pairing him and Vucevic with Isaac is a nice trio. It opens up that point, you know, not that it opens up. The point guard spot was already pretty open for Cole Anthony right now and Markel Fultz when he comes back. But that's an intriguing, an intriguing swap. And, you know, for Houston, if, if, if they don't, you know, have a commitment from Oladipo and they have a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. who can step into the lineup for Oladipo and it gives you a legitimate power forward with PJ Tucker likely on his way out. Yep. I, I think that I think we just I think we just became general managers. Call it in. Call, call it in. Yeah. Let me check. I got silver on speed now. I'll make the call. <laughs> I'll make call, call it in. Let's think let we just work it out. This up a bit. I think that we is just a good it out. That's a fine move for both teams. Well, um, 
you know, all kidding aside, I think Denver makes sense. I think Portland makes sense, although I feel like they kind of need a more – I think they need a more defensive-minded player if they're going to move significant assets to get better. Um, but Denver makes sense, and Houston makes some sense if they're trying to compete in the next couple of years. Right now they're tanking so that they don't owe that pick to Oklahoma City. Uh, and they're doing it very successfully. Um, so one last small topic uh, before before we end our, our short pod. Um, the Pistons signed Tyler Cook to a 10-day contract. And there was a little bit of speculation in our group chat about what exactly that means. Aaron, does that mean anything? Does this mean anything? Um, I'm going to imagine our group chat was saying that this means that every piston on the roster is on their way out because that's just how we react to things. Um, <laughs> but, I bet you Jalil Okafor, they could probably move on from him, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, Jalil Okafor is not in the rotation when he comes back anyway. I mean, Isaiah right. Stewart is holding that position down. And I guess, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Mason Plumley. Uh, I think he's going to be a piston. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade him. I think him and Stewart will will be holding down the center spot, but I, I obviously it's only a ten day contract, so there's nothing really to hate about the signing by Detroit. It's just a guy to throw some minutes at it as a combo big and and, and see what he does out there. I mean, they have an open he's roster six, spot. Eight, six eight, two hundred fifty five pounds. He's never attempted a three pointer in his professional career, so he could just be a you know a minutes eater if they if they want to start Stewart and let Plumley get some very coordinated rest so that he's healthy for a trade. Big brain, big brain action happening here. Maybe. Um, maybe could always possible. be to just eat up some minutes. I like to think of some of these guys, like on a bad baseball team, you just kind of grab pitchers from every single section of the minors to just eat minutes so your studs don't end up eating minutes and burning out their, you know, their uh, internal pitching clock. This is kind of the same thing to me when bad teams just kind of pick up you know, G League players and just eat minutes so that their stars don't have to, you know, get banged up by Anthony Davis or whatever in the middle of March or April. Just kind of has that similar feeling. Um, 6 8, 255, hasn't shot a three. You know, I guess they had an open roster spot after the buyout. And it's just a, another dude to have uh, in, the, in the front court. Um, I don't know where we're at on time, but, but uh, I guess we'll. Th- throw uh, the one other main topic in the NBA that's happened right now, and that would be LaMarcus Aldridge. Non-Pistons news, so tune out if you don't want to, but Marcus Aldridge about to be bought out. We know that Troy Weaver likes to sneak his way into three-team trades or into any trade to try to, you know, try to um, squeeze an asset out of a desperate team, and the Pistons do play the Spurs tonight, so this is a little bit apt. Um, what do you, what do you make of LaMarcus Aldridge? I know he's not going to come to Detroit, um, nor, nor should that even be entertained for more than a, a millisecond, but what do you make of LaMarcus Aldridge? At, I think he's 35 being I, out on the open market. I, I still think he can, can step in and help a team. I get that, you know, he is not the same player he once was very much in the same, uh, light as Blake Griffin is not the player that he once was, but this is a guy that can still help a team. He can shoot from beyond the arc. 
He's a, a back-to-the-basket threat. He's obviously not going to do much for you on the defensive end. Really not going to help you at all down there. May even hurt you, but will rebound is is a, a, a scoring threat. I, I think he's gonna. I think he can help a team probably more than maybe Blake Griffin can at this point. Oh, ooh, okay. Hot take? Was that a hot take? Okay. I I mean, I mean, I I think that's a hot take. You do? Okay. I do. I I think that'd be a very interesting interesting question to pose. Who is who would more effectively? Help a team. I mean, all the Lamar Aldridge you know, are like different. I, They're I mean, both defensive. You can set up Aldridge at the center position, and it's not really going to kill you. Blake Griffin at the center position might kill him. Uh, it, 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 it it might kill him. Yes. So, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just looking at the shooting numbers. I mean, Aldridge is, is, has shot, and Grant, he's, you know, been away from the team. He's also been injured this year, but the, the shooting numbers are much, much better uh, than Griffin's were this season. And last season, you know, Aldridge has been pretty consistently a, a, an efficient score uh, throughout his career. So I, I don't know. If it's a hot thing, you know, I'm going to stick with it. Stick with it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's, Maybe it's not that that hot. Maybe it's not that hot. Maybe I just got transported back to like, like to 2014 and and uh, back then maybe it would have been more like slightly more of a hot take. But no, he could help a team that doesn't need to add defense. It was mentioned on the dunker spot, which is quickly becoming probably my favorite general NBA podcast. If you haven't listened to the dunker spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. Very, very good podcast. Covers just about everything from defensive schemes to terrible dad jokes. Um, the Knicks would be an interesting team for the Marcus Aldridge because they already have a pretty good defensive squad already, but their offense is terrible. It just does not have any any flow to it. I mean, Emmanuel Quickly is good, and R.J. Barrett is okay, and Julius Randle is an all-star, but they just kind of get stuck in the mud sometimes, and Aldridge could sort of help a little bit by providing a little bit of facilitating from the elbow and provide a little bit of shooting. So I thought that was interesting, but I guess I just want to bring up Aldridge because the Pistons are playing the Spurs and surprisingly uh, the Pistons are only two point underdogs, I believe, or maybe they're two point favorites. <laughs> without, without Aldridge, who's to know? Uh, Pistons really who's to know. The, no the Spurs are two point favorites. No Hamadou Diallo for the Pistons. It's going to be, it's going to be a long night folks. No DeMar DeRozan or Aldridge. So this oh, might wow. be a horrific game to watch. <laughs> Great. You know, I actually have some time. I haven't watched the first two games out of the break. Now I actually am going to sit down and watch it, and I'm going to well, watch it off five one. minutes in. You're going to get to watch Lonnie Walker, which is still fun. Hey, I like Lonnie Walker. I like Keldon Johnson. I like Lonnie he, Walker a lot. I know he had COVID. Oh, yeah. I think he's back by now, though. I like Devin Vassell, too. Just There's just some players that are, like, so spursy it's painful. Yeah. And Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson are both two just Spursy players that you're like, oh God, of, of, of course they're on the Spurs. They have to be. <laughs> they just have to be. Um, okay, so uh, Aaron, is there anything else you wanted to cover with uh, the Pistons? I know that we're we're sort of planning to have um, two, maybe two pods next week with the trade deadline coming, and Detroit probably going to be active. Someone is going to be active. Um, and then perhaps having a, 
uh, maybe a pod on, on Monday or, or maybe Tuesday. Um, but are there any other Pistons notes as we head into trade deadline week next week? You know what? I think I think it's best we save all that for for next week's show as we kind of prime, you know, give a primer to the trade deadline and give all our final thoughts on that right before the deadline hits and Weaver goes and makes thirteen trades and a couple free agent signings. Yeah, I am geared up and ready for it. I am a little worried that we're all going to be disappointed when only uh, Andre Drummond gets bought out and goes to the Nets, but you know, it could it could happen. Something else fun could happen. Who, uh, who knows? Well, we hope that you will be with us next week uh, as we preview the deadline. We'll preview some of the Pistons guys who could be moved. We'll preview some of the uh, other guys who could impact uh, the Pistons moves. You know, the Pistons have a couple of wing guys that they could move. They have a, a combo guard and they have a center that they can move. And there's, you know, there's quite a few of those types of players on the market or that could be on the market. So that'll, that'll impact who Detroit can move. I guess I'm thinking like J.J. Redick and Wayne Ellington, you know, both both guys who pretty much do one thing. So teams will probably line up to get Redick first because he's a name. <laughs> but the Pistons will probably – I mean, I think the Wayne Ellington's been much, much better oh, this year. Definitely. And he's not injured, unlike J.J. Redick. So we hope that you will be with us next week uh, for potentially two podcasts, uh, recapping the trade deadline and then previewing the trade deadline um, maybe next Monday or Tuesday. So uh, with that, uh, we will sign off for Aaron Johnson. I am Mike Angolano. Thank you very much for joining us on this uh, truncated podcast, and we will see you next time, Pistons fans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.